You've got hard work to do. It's likely work that will take a very long time for you to succeed at. So how are you doing? I mean, really, how are you doing? Stop for just a hot minute, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Stop your mind for just a hot minute and think about that question. And then answer that question as though you were sitting right here in front of me, right here in this studio with these copious clouds of cigar smoke from the Bone Shaker Cigar. How are you doing? Hi, I'm D. Hicks, and welcome to the School of Leadership, leveraged lessons from high-impact leaders. For the past 30 years, I've researched the disciplines, habits, mental models, and assumptions of the most effective leaders. This podcast takes what I've learned from over 2,000 of these influencers and distills it into practical tools and tips you can use immediately. So let's get started. Good morning or good afternoon. I'm not sure which it is for you. It's uh, afternoon for me right now, and it's a Monday. I almost never record podcasts on a Monday, but today that's what it's all about, and I am lighting a Bone Shaker cigar. This is the original blend of the Bone Shaker brand cigars. Wow, this is a wonderful cigar. <laughs> it's a very strong cigar, but it starts off starts off with a hint of a little bit of a hint of dark chocolate. Chocolate, I think, is probably the best way to describe it. It's not super strong tasting in the beginning. <laughs> this is the second one I've had. Not today, but the second one I've had in the last couple of weeks. And uh, it's a very good cigar. It's a Nicaraguan cigar. has a Connecticut Broadleaf Maduro wrapper on it. The Nicaraguan tobacco tends to be, of late, my favorite of all of the tobaccos that can be put in a cigar. Maybe some Brazilian tobaccos are pretty good, too. But really like this. A little bit of a dark chocolate taste to it and a little bit of after taste of cinnamon. But as I remember, this one is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> the Bone Shaker cigar is not for the faint of heart for sure. If you are new to smoking cigars, do not start with this one. <laughs> the one I'm holding right now, beautiful, dark, almost black, and the wrapper is perfect. And it is uh, four and a half inches long by 60 ring gauge. So four and a half by 60 ring gauge is a good size. It's about the size of the base of my thumb. My thumb is not four and a half inches long, but that's about how big a 60 ring cigar is. I have been told I have orangutan hands, so if you're looking at your hands, my hands might be a little bit more like that beloved ape than yours. This is a good cigar. I chose this cigar because all the reviews say, let me let me uh, even this up here just a little bit. All the reviews say that this is not for the faint of heart. And it's likely your work is not for the faint of heart either. You probably wonder what I'm drinking as well. Usually I'll drink a bourbon or at least sip away on a bourbon a little bit while you and I are spending time together here in the podcast studio, the world headquarters of the podcast studio. We're actually uh, part of the Hilt Academy. But today, instead of sipping on a bourbon, I am enjoying this bone shaker cigar with equally bone shaking 
espresso. I've got like five shots of espresso here, and I decided to make an iced coffee out of it. So add a little bit of sweetener, not much, about five shots of espresso and a whole bunch of ice. <laughs> so it's likely that that drink will last me about five hours. <laughs> I probably won't even finish it either, but I thought that taste would go very, very well with this bone shaker cigar. So how you doing? Wish you were here. Wish you were sitting right over there in one of those two leather chairs in the studio. I would offer you a bone shaker cigar and some iced espresso. If you want cream, I've got some of that. We can put some cream in that nice iced espresso for you. And I'd pull up the chair and kick back, put my feet up, and we'd have a great conversation. But since that can't happen, because you are in North Carolina, or you're in Eastern Washington, or San Diego, I don't know where you are right now, uh, where you are physically, or where you are mentally, <laughs> right? <laughs> but since you're way over there somewhere, and we're not able to spend much time together, I'll just imagine that you're here. And that's really why I create these podcasts, so that I can have conversation with you. This is a one-way conversation, this part of it, but often I get to run across in the days, weeks, months, years after these are recorded, some of you, in various settings, and we can have conversations about these things. So I'll start the first volley of the conversation today, and then when I see you in six months or a year <laughs> somewhere, or next week, I don't know, whatever, you can have the other side of the conversation and I'll listen. So I like podcasts because they, they're really an intimate way of communicating. It really is just you and I. In fact, most of the time when I listen to podcasts or listen to audible books or something like that, I uh, have my headphones in and I'm by myself. And so it is, uh, it's probably that way with you as well. It's probably that you spend your time when you're listening to podcasts, maybe in your car or your truck driving to work or maybe at home or maybe when you're exercising or something like that. I just like this medium for that for that very reason because it's just you and I and that's how I imagine this as I create these podcasts so you've got hard work to do it's likely work that will take a very long time for you to succeed at so how are you doing I mean I mean really how you doing? Stop for just a hot minute, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Stop your mind for just a hot minute and think about that question. with, And then answer that question as though you were sitting right here in front of me, right here in this studio with these copious clouds of cigar smoke from the Bone Shaker Cigar. How you doing? When I ask that question, I'm careful to only ask it when I want an answer. And most of the time, I find that folks gloss over it. And then I wait, like that answer didn't really go there. <laughs> Most of the time when any of us ask that question, we do so to kind of prime the pump of our conversations, but we don't really want to know, right? <laughs> when we say, how you doing? And then we stop listening. If someone says anything past fine, we kind of stop listening. But that's not how I'm thinking about that today. Usually we hear responses from people, like I said, like, fine. Or they'll say, oh, I'm so busy, or oh, I'm tired. Man, that's a common one. I sure hear that a lot from people. And I look at them and I think, why are you so tired all the time? That's because they're, you know, they're carrying stuff they probably don't need to carry. It's so tired. Or maybe someone will say, gotta go. Some people, when I ask the question, how you doing? They answer a question that I did not ask. <laughs> they answer with, what they are doing. Or if I say, how you doing? They answer with what they're going to be doing later in the day or the week or the month. Or they answer with what other people are doing or what other people are not doing. 
You know, my favorite answer, though, that I've heard of late when I asked the question, how you doing, was, well, I'm better than I deserve. <laughs> I really like that. That came from a guy by the name of Jason. He's a really light-hearted guy with uh, doing very important and serious work, but that's always his response. Better than I deserve. Isn't that cool? Well, I ask that question of you in this podcast, just like I would if you and I were sitting together enjoying this cigar, because I truly want to know. I'm asking you not out of some kind of, I don't know, morbid curiosity. Curiosity, or, or because I'm looking for someone to put into one of my clinical trials. <laughs> but I ask that because I care. Maybe you've had this experience. When folks discover that you actually care, they get a little uncomfortable. So I don't want anything from you. I'm not selling you anything, and I'm not judging you when I ask you that question, unless you're wearing Crocs or pulled up in a Prius. But outside of that, I'm asking just because I care. So how are you doing? Let me tell you a story here. A friend of mine named Joel wanted to teach me how to sail. A small sailboat. I don't know, it was probably 20, 30 feet long. Small. It was just he and I were right over there in the Puget Sound. So in the studio right now, I'm about uh, half a mile, less than that, quarter of a mile away from the water. If we would come up out of the studio and get up on top of the building and look right down, we could see the water. It's just right over there. You're imagining what I'm gesturing with, right? Which hand did you imagine me gesture with? Well, I'm facing south in the studio right now. So I used my left hand. So the water is to the east of me where I'm standing. Did you imagine that correctly? <laughs> That's kind of fun. We do that when we listen to people. We imagine something that we may not see. That helps us stay engaged, but sometimes we're wrong. Okay, so back. Here we are. So Joel wanted to take me right out there on that water on, the, on a moderately gusty day and to teach me how to sail, or at least some of the fundamentals of sailing. At that point in time, I was considering getting a sailboat for us and for the family. And I thought, well, I want to actually get out on one. I've always been on powered boats. And and rarely been on sailboats and rarely been on a, a sailboat that I had to do anything on if I was on it. So this time he took me out because he wanted to show me some of the fundamentals of sailing. Fast forward, by the way, to the end of the story. Um, I did not get a sailboat. <laughs> not because it was a lot of work to sail, but because it's an incredible amount of work to keep a sailboat, especially in the Puget Sound, which is all saltwater, maintained. He was accurate when he said that, that a boat is just a, a hole in the water into which you throw endless amounts of money. <laughs> so we decided to go another route and not do that. But anyway, he said to me when we first started to leave the dock, he said to me, always keep one hand for yourself and one hand for the ship. An interesting phrase, isn't it? I ran across that phrase again then when I began to read the Patrick O'Brien Aubrey series of British historical novels. There's 21 books in that entire series. I read them all. You might be familiar with one of those, which was a movie was made by Russell Crowe called Master and Commander. And that was based upon book one from that series of 21. In that series, new conscripts and sailors were told to always have one hand for yourself and one hand for the ship as they scampered about that rigging. One hand for the ship. Uh, well, that's your work. The work they were doing on the ship. One hand for yourself. That's for your own safety, for your own balance, making sure that you don't fall off the ship or fall down and hurt yourself. So, when I ask you, how you doing? I'm not really asking you about your hand for the ship, so to speak. I'm asking about the hand for yourself. So here's my point. As leaders and managers and supervisors, as influencers of people who may not have any of those positions, but some of those responsibilities, daring those people that you influence to do great things, we must have one hand for ourselves. Not both hands, not no hands, one hand. Now, you are likely good at your job because you are unselfish and you often put yourself last. You may do that to such a degree that you let go of the 
hand for yourself and use both hands in this metaphor for the ship of your work. In my experience and observation over these years, every sad, quiet, slow failure on the part of leaders has risen from ignoring this simple requirement of having one hand for yourself and one hand for your work. It seems like every sad, public, dramatic failure on the part of leaders has risen from ignoring this requirement as well. One hand for the ship, one hand for yourself. So you and I live in and lead in a stormy sea of anxiety and addictive pursuit of happy feelings as our ultimate barometer of the quality of life. We also live in a sea where hypersensitivity to the scary feelings people have that are created by reality, with a capital R, and in a sea in what my friend John calls the fear industrial complex. We're now afraid of being afraid. We may have even become so afraid of being afraid that we instantly reject real leaders because real leaders, the good ones, invite us to look at where we could be and then they compare it with where we really are and then they invite us to take hard steps to move forward. They make us uncomfortable, these real leaders. So if we're afraid of being afraid, we reject these real leaders. I think in some ways we have become toxic in our society to real leaders. So to succeed as leaders, we have to have such deep inner reserves that we can withstand the storms of resistance that come our way as we simply lead. We have to practice the disciplines of the one hand for yourself so that we can have the disciplines of the one hand for the ship. So get a grip, my friend. <laughs> you probably already know this, right? But agreeing with a concept is not the same thing as practicing them. In fact, understanding without practice can actually be worse. It's like being inoculated so you don't get the benefit of the wisdom. You understand it. You don't do it. You're actually worse off. Ooh. Okay, so how? How can you get a grip? How can I get a grip so that I can have a hand for the ship of my work? Well, how do I do that? I have to get a grip on what I eat. I know, we're surrounded by rapid, easy, fast food. And it's very, very easy for us to eat the wrong thing, to overeat, or to way undereat, and then have to live off of the calories of sugar and coffee at the end of the day. <laughs> this while I'm sipping away here on some iced espresso with a little bit of sugar in it. <laughs> the irony of my hypocrisy is not lost on me, right? <laughs> so how do we get a grip? We got to get a grip on what we eat. You know, how to do that already. This is not rocket science. We have to get a grip on what we drink. If you're a person who enjoys a good bourbon now and again, the now and again needs to have a big pause between it. <laughs> a good bourbon now should not be followed by a good bourbon in 10 more minutes and then another good bourbon in 15 minutes. You know what I mean. Get a grip on what you drink. Get a grip on your sleep and how you sleep. It's very important that you and I get good sleep. That's partly within your control. Get a grip on your physical health. You know that movement is medicine. And you also know that you need a lot more movement than you might think. It's likely that as a leader, your job causes you to sit a lot or to stand still a lot and run in your mind and to climb in your mind, but your body is not doing that. So get a grip on your physical health. Movement is medicine. 
Get a grip on what you watch. Careful. Put your frickin' phone down. <laughs> Stop scrolling. Endless scrolling creates an addiction. It results in a dopamine depletion. It leads to depression, to weight gain, to memory compromise, to the inability to focus, and on and on and on. Put it down. It's a tool. It's not life. Test yourself, by the way, when it comes to your devices, your phone or your iPad. Test yourself. Deny yourself the scroll and see what happens. Deny yourself time on your phone and see what happens. Even if you find yourself on your third thumb flick, so you're scrolling through Instagram or in your face or Twitter. <laughs> yes, I said those exactly how I meant to say them. Stop and see what happens. Notice yourself. How else do you get a grip? Get a grip on your time especially your alone time. No good leader in history has ever been able to sustain a genuine, lasting impact without the ability to be alone. Master your time to be alone. And get a grip on your time also by scheduling your work between deep work and shallow work. I'll borrow again that term or that concept from Cal Newport. Deep time is study, concentration, deep thought, planning. It's the garden of judgment. And shallow stuff is what you might be doing right now. Listening to me while you're driving is probably shallow work. But if you've stopped and you're thinking and you're pausing and you're really trying to evaluate yourself with one of these podcasts or something like this, that's deep work. If you do something with it, if you're just consuming it and don't do anything with it, it's probably not deep work. It's probably shallow work. That you get the idea. So one hand for yourself and one hand for the ship. So how about a couple of pro tips about how to do this? First of all, put it on your calendar. Whatever you need to get a grip on, Put it on your calendar. Of those things I just suggested a moment ago, on getting a grip on what you eat, on, on what you drink, and, or on your sleep, or your physical health, or your time, etc., put it on your calendar. Decide what you're going to do to execute those ideas. And right now, put it on your calendar. Don't wait. Pause the podcast right now. Go to your calendar and put it on your calendar. And when you're finished, come on back. Here's the second pro tip. Enlist the support of one or two other people who are probably already okay or pretty good even at getting a grip. That is one hand for themselves. Here's the third pro tip. Get alone. Get truly alone with no distractions. And in that time alone, just unwind. If you want to think, if you want to read, if you want to pray, if you want to go for a walk, just get truly alone. The best of those alone times, which for me is also the most difficult, are those alone times when I have no distractions whatsoever. I'm truly alone. It is amazing how unpleasant those times can be, <laughs> but then also how refreshing they can be. And we don't need a lot, but we do need some. Here's the fourth pro tip. Notice your reactions to things. And the interesting thing about pro tips <laughs> is that pros make them look easy. <laughs> and these actually are easy. They're just disciplines that you and I need to practice if we are going to make sure that we always have one hand for ourselves and one hand for the ship. So I'll go through these quickly. There's six of them. Pro tip number one. Put it on your calendar. Whatever it is specifically, like I listed a few moments ago, that you need to get a grip on or anything else that you think of, put it on your calendar and put it on your calendar for repetitive times. If it's not on your calendar, it's not on your heart and you will make decisions based upon some other metric rather than you've made a promise to yourself. 
Pro tip number two, enlist the support of one or two other people who already have this down. They'd be happy to help. Doing it alone is one of the great challenges that you and I have as leaders. We can easily convince ourselves that we live in a bubble that no one can truly understand what our challenges are. Careful with that. That's a myth. Here's the third pro tip. Get alone. Get truly alone with no distractions regularly. Here's the fourth one. Notice your reactions when you say no to yourself about something, especially something you're doing to distract you or to comfort you. (laughs) Because if you have a strong reaction to something, for example, putting your phone down and not scrolling through it every six minutes, (laughs) if you have a strong reaction to that and you feel compelled to do it, you're setting yourself up for an addiction. That's true for everything else in life. So notice your reactions, especially when you say no to yourself to do something that distracts you from the hard work of life. If it's hard to turn away from it, it it probably means that you need to master it. Here's the fifth pro tip. Resist measuring the value of getting alone or of solitude or silence or study or of deep work even in the short term. That stuff takes a long time to mature and it's well worth it. Don't measure that the same way you measure plowing through your to-do list. Oh, Here's the sixth pro tip. Remind yourself this is not just a task to be checked off. This one hand for myself so that I can have one hand for the ship. It's a discipline and it's a lifestyle. If you want to be in this place where you are having an effect on people that is very positive over a long period of time, if you want to be a really good leader over decades, you must master this now. So, with one hand for yourself you'll be able to have one hand for the ship of your work, that is, of your mission or of the outcome that you're trying to achieve. If you don't practice these disciplines and similar disciplines, my friend, you will fail. And I don't want that to happen to you because you've got important work to do. We depend on you. So, how are you? Leadership's hard. Let's not make it harder than it needs to be. Leadership can be a bit of a bone shaker, (laughs) just like this cigar. It can start off kind of nice and mellow and enjoyable, and you feel pretty good about it. But then, wow, let me relight this cigar. Then, wow, it kicks into a completely different gear. I'm now about, at the end of this podcast, about a half an inch, no, three quarters of an inch into this cigar, and the taste has changed. The smoke is now so thick in the studio that those leather chairs, which are about 10 feet, 8 feet away from you sitting over there. Those leather chairs are barely visible. (laughs) This is pretty intense stuff. It's a bone shaker. (sighs) Well, we don't want you to fall prey to having your bones so shaken. That's kind of a reach, wasn't it? That was a reach. We don't want you to fall prey to the difficulties of leadership. (laughs) So make sure, my friend, you got one hand for yourself and one hand for the ship. Time to get back to work. Hope to see you soon. Thanks for joining me in today's School of Leadership. This podcast is part of the Archimedes Experiment, leveraged wisdom from the world's most effective leaders. If you're interested in more, go to my website, dhicks.com. Remember, my first name has only one E. Well, you'll find more short and helpful podcasts, books, and blog posts. If this was helpful, maybe even share it with some of your friends. Have a great day.